Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, I want to welcome those of you that are in this room, as well as those of you that may be joining us online or watching on television. So glad that you're here, honored that you're with us. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with them, or turn with me in them, to Ezra chapter 8, the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. We're going to take a break today from our series on 1 John, and uh, we're going to jump to this Old Testament book, Ezra chapter 8 in the Old Testament. Have you ever heard the... uh, you ever heard the phrase, I feel like I'm at a crossroads? Sometimes people will say that when they're at a certain point in their life, when they're at a certain place, and I feel like I'm at a crossroad. I think we say it because we get the analogy. We've all been there at some point or another. We've all felt like we were at a point where we go, okay, I have to make a decision here. This way, that way, this way, that way. Like, what way will I go? I've had moments in my life where I felt like not only was I at a crossroad, but that I was stuck in a roundabout and didn't know where to get out. Anybody been there? Anybody physically been there? (laughs) Like, I've done that. I've been like, whoop, missed it, whoop, missed it, whoop, missed it, you know? And sometimes it feels like that in our lives, when you feel like you're at a crossroad. This is where Ezra finds himself in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra is a fascinating book, and it's one that we can quickly read over because it has genealogies, it has history that we don't understand. So many principles that are in this book, and we're going to look at one in Ezra chapter 8 today, when Ezra finds himself at a crossroads. Let me give you just a little bit of history. The people of Israel were taken into exile in Babylon for 70 years. There's a a long story, but their disobedience in the Old Testament culminates with many of them being kind of yanked out of their homeland in Israel dragged hundreds of miles into pagan Babylon, spending 70 years in exile there. And then after that, in kind of small trickles, they're able to go back to the Holy Land. They're able to go back to Jerusalem. They're able to go back to the Holy City. They're able to go back and rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple and go through this process. And Ezra is a major part of that story. And in this story, Ezra's in Babylon, and with the king's blessing, he's going to take a group from Babylon of these Jewish exiles back to Jerusalem. So that's the journey that's in front of them, from Babylon back home to Jerusalem. And for some reason, when I read this passage recently, and I can't encourage you enough, if if you don't have a regular routine of reading God's word, that you would establish that, even if it's one verse a day, one chapter a day, maybe you've got a through the Bible in a year program, or you use some kind of tool to help you read through scripture, that daily reading of scripture, that regular inhaling of God's word, It's like oxygen and life to us. And this was just kind of in my own personal time in God's word, this passage of scripture, which seems so obscure, just really kind of settled in my own personal kind of spirit. And Ezra is talking about being at a place that's a crossroad. I think in many ways, we're there as a society. I feel like the church in general after the last year, after cultural changes that we're seeing, after the last few decades of transition in our country, in all these ways, the church is at a crossroads. I think, and I'll share a little bit more about this in a few moments, our church, Calvary, is at a bit of a crossroad right now, and you might be there as well. Now look, when, when, we, when we preach a message, when we talk about something that's gonna be kind of as specific as what we're gonna look at tonight, I know I run the risk that some of you might go, 
well, I'm not at a crossroad in life. I feel like I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. I'm happy. I'm content or things are good. I know I'm exactly in God's will, whatever that is. If that's you and you go, hey, I'm not at a crossroad, I hope you'll listen to the things that we see from God's word and say today, you know what? I want to remember this for a different season of my life or I might be able to help somebody with this. The other thing is for some of you, I really do believe that this today is a very timely word. That like you're at a crossroad and there's things you're trying to decide and determine in your own life. And you're saying, how does this apply to where I am and where God wants me to be? We're gonna look at Ezra's story, kind of a little obscure story. And I wanna give you five questions for the crossroads. Like when you're at a crossroad in life, here's some questions that you can ask yourself. Here's some questions that you can consider. Here's some questions that may be meaningful or timely for you if you're at a crossroad. Let's jump to the story. Ezra chapter eight, verse 15. Ezra has this group that's gonna go with him from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And he says to them, I assembled them at the canal that flows toward Ahava and we camped there three days. The city of Babylon um, was around the Euphrates River and off of it came all kinds of rivers and canals, many of which were man-made, some of which were actually used to defend the city. And we don't know exactly where this was. What you'll see in just a moment is that this canal may have been what we would know as kind of just a canal. It could also have been a river. The same word could be that. And you'll see in just a moment that this place called Ahava was named after this canal or this river, that the river and the place shared the name. The river and the place shared the name. Isn't that odd? <laughs> Welcome to mommy. <laughs> see a little bit of a connection here. I assembled them, the exiles who are gonna go back to Jerusalem, at the canal that flows toward Ahava, and we camped there three days. We'll see why they camped there for three days here in just a moment. But you've got to understand, this place, it's a crossroad. And before they take the next step, before they go any further, there's some things they've got to do. They want to make sure that their journey, their life, it, it matters, that it goes the way God wants it to go, that it goes the way that it should go. And so they're going to do some things here. When you come to a crossroad, like Ezra, I think here's the first question you gotta ask. Number one, where am I trying to go? <laughs> I know that seems basic. Sometimes that's the most important question we can ask. Where am I even trying to go? What is my destination? What am I hoping for? In life, we're not just kinda driving around. We're not just kinda wandering. At some point, we gotta go, general or specific, where is it that I'm trying to go? Like, what is my end goal? What do I want to accomplish? This is really key at crossroads because what can happen at crossroads is we can get distracted. Oh, I might go that way. Well, I could go that way. Should I go that way? Like, we ask these questions. Sometimes we wanna turn around and go back the other way we came from. And so we have to ask the question, where am I really trying to go? That's important when you come to relational crossroads because little things can distract us from the goal and the purpose of our marriage, of that relationship, of preserving family, whatever that might be. That's important when you're making occupational decisions. It's important when you're making decisions with finances, with your health, where are you trying to go? Here's, here's the challenge. Not too long ago, Rhonda and I were, were just driving down the road, we're going somewhere, and I started telling her some kind of story. And um, you might not realize this, but I like to talk, and I don't have any problem doing it. 
And I was just talking, 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 and I was telling her this thing, and all of a sudden she said to me, you, you know you were supposed to turn there. And I'm like, I know, but I'm telling a story, you know? Because I was so distracted that I missed it. If we're not careful, there will be distractions that keep us from where we're trying to go. Here's just a few of them. Uh, first one is this, it's being double-minded. One of the things that will distract us from where we're trying to go is being double-minded. When, when we're not focused on where we're trying to go, that's exactly what happened to me. You ever had this happen? You ever walk into a room to get something, get in the room and forget what you were there for? Anybody? <laughs> Amen, brother, yeah, thank you. What usually happens to me, it's happening more and more for some reason. I don't think it's because I'm older, I think it's because I'm getting more brilliant and my mind's more full, amen? <laughs> but usually what happens is I go walking in because I know what I'm after and on the way I start thinking about this or I'm gonna do that or maybe I'll grab this. I'm notorious for Rhonda saying, hey, when you go upstairs, can you bring this down? And I'll be like, sure, that's great. And I'll come back down and she'll look at me and I'll be like, I'll be right back and I have to go back because I'm double-minded. I've got too many things in my mind when I need to be focusing on where I'm trying to go. Here's what James says, James chapter one, verse eight. He says, such a person is double-minded, and when you're double-minded, you're unstable in all you do. <laughs> so that's interesting, that's a, that's a distraction from our destination. Here's something else that can distract us, not just being double-minded, but feeling disappointment. Sometimes when we feel disappointment, when something doesn't go our way, when we're on track to our destination and we hit construction or a detour or an accident and things don't go the way we thought they were gonna go, we can get disappointed and in that disappointment, what can often happen is it can derail us from where we were starting to go. I did that not too long ago. I was, I was trying to get somewhere, hit some construction, and I said, I'm not waiting for this. I'm not taking this that slow. I'm gonna go another way. So I started going all these side streets and figuring it all out because I'm, I'm a genius like that and found out that by the time it was done, I was a mile or so away and going in the wrong direction, right? Because I let that frustration, that disappointment get to me. Can I encourage you with this? I watch this happen in people's lives. Sometimes what happens is I'm in the middle of something specific in my life. Sometimes even something where I say, God, I know it's supposed to go this way. And when it doesn't go the way that I think it should, I get disappointed. And so because of specific disappointment, I give up on the general purpose of God for my life. Like God may be saying, hey, I want you to head in that direction, or I want you to be prepared to serve in this way, or I want you to have your heart focused in this, and I get frustrated here, and I let the frustration here keep me from the big picture of what God's really trying to do. Like I'll watch people who, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but I'll watch people who will get disappointed in some spiritual experience. They'll get disappointed in some church and then give up on church altogether. And we can't let that disappointment derail us from what God has. Here's, here's a good example. You know the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son goes, lives a crazy life, comes back. Dad runs to greet him, says, hey, we're gonna have this huge party. And his brother who has never left, watch what happens. Luke chapter 15, verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Like there's this big party to celebrate that his brother has returned, but because it doesn't go the way he wants, because he's frustrated, he becomes angry and he misses out on the party. Do you know who struggles because of all this? Not the younger brother, not the father. It's, it's the older brother. 
because he's let the disappointment set in. I'd encourage you on your journey to be careful not to become bitter or entitled because it never ends well. There's a hairstylist in Milwaukee who just posted online about a text message she got from a guy that she dated for a while. They went out three times and just it didn't work out. It wasn't going to be a fit. So they just, they just kind of stopped dating. A little while later, her name's Alex. A little while later, this dude sends this text. Hi, Alex. Hope you're doing well. Would you mind letting me know what your Venmo is? If you don't know what Venmo is, it's a, it's a way that you can send money back and forth electronically to people. Kind of, you just do it from your phone and send money back and forth. So he says, hey, Alex, what's your Venmo? Here's why. Here's what he says. It's only fair to ask for equal payment from you for the dates we went on. I believe it was three separate times we went out to restaurants where I paid for us each time. I'd say $35 is more than fair for your food that I got you during those dates. I view you as a fair girl. I hope you'll consider reimbursing me. (laughs) Alex, the best thing you did was get rid of that guy. (laughs) True? (laughs) Sometimes, though, disappointment comes, and then we go, well, I want what I have coming to me. I want mine back. And we let it derail us, distract us from the destination we should be on. Watch out for that bitterness in your life. James chapter 3, verse 14. James says this, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. (laughs) He ties emptiness and selfishness to demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. If you want to know what will derail you and cause disorder in your journey, it's, it's that enviness. It's that selfishness. Let me give you one more thing that can cause us to lose sight of where we're supposed to be going. It's interesting. Uh, let's go back to our text. Ezra chapter 8 verse 15. Ezra says, I assembled them at the canal that flows towards mommy Ahava and we camped there three days. When I checked among the people and the priests, I found no Levites there. And why is that important? Well, the Levites, they had ceremonial duties according to the Old Testament law. And they wanted to make sure that both for their journey and then when they got back that there were Levites that were there to do what God had called and, and chosen them to do to serve the people. And he looks and he says, there's no Levites there. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why you could come up with this historically, biblically, why there were no Levites. But do you know what it really came down to? They just didn't want to commit to the journey. A lot of them were like, you know what, Babylon's not that bad, and I really don't want to go through that thing. I don't want to do all that change. I don't want to. Sometimes the very thing that keeps us from the destination that God has us on at a crossroad is when we choose that we, we choose and said that we want to be staying comfortable. <laughs> not just being double-minded or feeling disappointment, but staying comfortable. I just kind of want to stay where I am. I don't really want to deal with that change. will cause us to be stuck in a place and not moving to where God would have for us to be. The question is, are you willing to choose commitment over comfort when you're at a crossroads? So here's the second question. That's the first one. Where am I trying to go? Here's the second question you need to ask yourself. We'll see it in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all of our possessions. 
I think this is really important because at the crossroads, the reason they're there for three days is because when they're there, Ezra says, you know what, everybody, we're going to time out before we take this next step, before we go through this intersection in our journey, we're going to stop right here. And you know what I think we need to do? We need to humble ourselves before our God. Before we take the next step, we need to check this. Here's the second question when you're at a crossroad. Number two, what's the state of my heart? Like Ezra said, hey guys, before I have to take this journey for you for months, what's the state of your heart? Like is our heart in the right place? And he says that we need to humble ourselves. Why is that so important? Well, one, when I humble myself, I remember who God is. And I recognize who he is and his greatness, what he can do. It's so important before I take that next step that I realize that I'm not doing it alone, but that I'm doing it with him and that he's leading me each step along the way. When I humble myself, I remember who God is and when I humble myself, I remember who I am, who I am in perspective with God. Now look, this is a whole nother sermon that we don't have time to jump into, but it's so important for me to come to a point where I realize before I take that next step in my journey, where I realize who God is and I realize who I am, and maybe in the mix of that, figure out who's got what job. Like, what are the things that I need to entrust to God? We talked about this just last week, didn't we? What are the things that I need to entrust to God, and what are the things that God wants me to do that are my responsibility? And kind of figuring those things out and humbling myself, because when I try to hold on and do God's work, it only leads to me getting angry. And when I lose sight of who God is and who I am, oftentimes that just starts to mess with my own self-identity. I start moving towards bad theology. It's important for me to say, God, I look to you in this journey. I wanna put my heart in the right place and humble myself. Here's how Peter says it, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse six. He says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. There is something powerful. We could spend a lot of time here, but there's something powerful about when we humble ourselves. Sometimes the best thing that you can do before you take that next step on that journey is just check and go, what's the state of my heart? Because if my heart is not right before I take that next step, it's gonna lead to trouble somewhere further down the road. And it's good, I, I've had vehicles in the past where I knew that before I take this out of town, I better get it checked first. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, look, I wanna make sure it needs an oil change. I'm gonna make sure there's air in the tires. I'm gonna fuel this thing up. I probably ought to, like there were all these things that I thought, look, before I take that next step, I better check and make sure that things are right. Do that with your heart as well. Make sure your heart is right, which leads us to the next thing to consider when you're at a crossroad. Go back to our text, Ezra chapter eight, verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey, and watch this, ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I really thought it was interesting that he listed those things, that they took time to say, God, we not, only, we not only want to have a safe journey, but here's what's for. He outlines and specifically prays and mentions to the people the things that are the priorities for them. Like These are the things that matter. And I guess if you're going to take that next step on your journey, if you're at a crossroad, ask the question number three, what are my priorities? 
Like, what are the things that really matter in my life? Because what happens so many times, especially at a crossroad, is we can have all these things coming at us and it can be easy to choose things that are urgent or things that appear to have value and in some way disregard the things that really are the priorities in our lives. And it's good to step back and go, before I make that major decision, before I take that next step, am I doing that and at this time disregarding or dismissing the things that are actually the priorities in my life? According to this passage of scripture, Ezra names a few. You'd, you'd have to think about the priorities in your own life. But he talks first about the priority of people. Like you're, you're gonna watch this when he was looking for the Levites. You'll see it again in a moment when he talks about the priests. You'll see it when he talks about their children. You'll see it in the way he talks, how important it is. They have a list of the people who are going. What is important to him in this moment is on this journey, who are the people that are around me? How do I care for them? How do I serve them? If you're in a leadership role, how do I lead them? Like, what is the priority of people? We can be quick. I think we're all um, quick to be able to fall into this where we can get sidetracked by things that are urgent. We can get sidetracked by things where we're trying to uh, earn a claim or where we're trying to accomplish a certain status. And in the process, we can forget or dismiss the people that are around us. Who are the people that God has put in your sphere that your life can touch and impact. Some of us are like, well, I want something greater, or I want something more, I want greater influence, or I want want greater status. And I think that's really important. Some of us are in a place where we go, man, I want my life to impact other people. Can I tell you a little secret about our friend Jared? (laughs) One of those secrets is that I know about him is he doesn't just live his life saying, how can I make a difference over there, he lives his life going, what difference can my life make today right here? If you're not faithful right here, I'm not so sure that God can trust you over there. Like there are people right in your life right now at this crossroad that God wants you to influence. In the city of Hanoi in Vietnam, this just happened recently, there was a dude who's a, delivery driver he was waiting to make a delivery he was just sitting there and all of a sudden he's in the busy city all of a sudden he hears these voices that start shouting and he gets out and he tries to figure out what's going on he looks up there's an apartment building right next to him and he looks up on the 12th floor he watches as there's this little girl toddler she looks to be about maybe two three years old and she is all by herself and she crawls and climbs over the balcony of this apartment and gets out on the ledge. And some lady in an apartment across the way actually like videos the whole thing. And this delivery driver sees this, and instead of saying, oh no, he says, it's me. I can do something about this. And so he gets out of his thing, he climbs up on this, this like awning, this about six foot high roof that was there, and he kind of climbs up on this thing and he gets himself in a spot. This little girl's 12 stories in the air. He gets himself in a spot just in case she falls, which she does. And he leaps and somehow miraculously positions himself in a way that he breaks her fall. All she broke was her hip. And this dude saved her life. What if he had sat in his delivery van and instead said, wow, this is terrible. 
Instead of saying, that person's in my world and I can do something about it. There are people in your world, family, friends, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, random occurrences that God has put in your path at this crossroad for you to be able to make a difference. And can I encourage you, you cannot expect to have greater influence if you're not faithful with the influence you have. Like the influence you have right now, when you use that, God can trust you with something more. We have to be willing to put a priority on people. Not just people today, and, and, and we, we've unpacked this one before, but, but the priority of future. Look, when you're at a crossroad, you don't just think about where you are right now. You think about the future. I think that's why Ezra mentions our children. He's saying, look, we're taking this step. We're making this move because it's going to make a difference to our children. It's going to make a difference to future generations. I'm investing today in in tomorrow's return. And I'm believing that something will come as a result of that. Parents, there may be some choices that you make today that you say a difficult no to some things so that you can say yes to the priority of your family, knowing that you might not see the return on that today, but you'll believe for that blessing in the future. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves when we're at a crossroad, how will you leave a legacy of faith? And then one other thing that he points out here, you got the priority of people and the priority of the future. There's this priority of responsibility. When you ask what are your priorities, I call it the priority of responsibility, and that's really what all this has come down to, right? If someone's in your world, you have a priority to be a messenger from God to them. You have a priority to help shape the future. My question is, what has God called you to? There's this really interesting thing that happens. Ezra's going back to Jerusalem, right? And as he's going, he's taking treasures for the temple, And then the king gives them treasures as well to take back. They have tons, literally tons, if you do the math, tons of silver and gold and all these valuable items that are worth millions of dollars that they are carrying. And in the process, Ezra's got to go, how are we going to get all this stuff back to Jerusalem? Here's what he does. Ezra chapter 8, verse 24. Then I set apart 12 of the leading priests, namely Sherebiah, Hashabiah, cool names, right? and 10 of their brothers, and I weighed out to them, and I weighed out to them the offering of silver and gold and the articles that the king, his advisors, his officials, and all Israel present there had donated for the house of our God. And you can read through that passage. He, he kind of gives details on how much was there and how he consecrated these people, and it was interesting. He was looking for the people that he could trust with responsibility. God is looking for the people. At your crossroad, remember this. God looks for people who are willing to carry their weight. Ezra weighed out to them valuable things for them to carry. And I honestly believe that God is looking for people who are willing to carry their weight. He'll say, God, if you'll entrust it to me, I'll be responsible. Look, that's a, that's a key thing. Let me put on my pastor hat for just a minute and talk to you about the life of the church, Right? Because you know that about a year ago, things were all kind of normal. And then in just a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate our COVID anniversary. Is that what you would call it? And then everything just 14 weeks. We just didn't meet. Everything was online. And then 12 weeks. Remember we were under the tent? 
And then since mid-September, we've, we've been back inside the building and online as well. We've been walking through these, these different processes. But what's happening is slowly we're watching things kind of get closer and closer back to where we were a year ago. And one of the things that's interesting is we're seeing more and more people come back. We're not automatically seeing the same number of volunteers come back. So especially in the areas of our hospitality, in particular our children's ministry, as the church is continuing to pick up and grow, and can I tell you, new people every week that are coming to Calvary, not just those that are coming back, but those that are coming for the first time. As this is happening, we're recognizing, hey, we're, we're gonna need to jump in, carry our weight, make a difference in people's lives. Look, if, if you're in a place where you're saying, God, what can I do for you? It may be a good season for you to say, God, how can I serve? Right on our homepage on our website, you'll see a spot there that just says serve at Calvary. You can click there, jump in someplace in ministry and be a part of what God is doing in this season. Let's go back to our text, Ezra chapter eight, verse 21. I wanna show you two more questions before we're done. He says, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him, for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. Ezra knew that he needed to stop at a crossroad and before he took the next step, just let God know, God, we're trusting you in this moment. Here's a, here's a fourth question for you. What am I trusting God for? Like at this crossroad, before you go barreling through that intersection, and before you think I'm just gonna push on through, I think it is so good for us to stop and say, God, here's what I'm trusting you for. God, here's what I'm putting in your hands. That passage says we ask God for his protection. We ask God to lead us. Scripture implores us to do this. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, tells us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Look, I'd encourage you, if, you, if you're in a, in a spot where there's a crossroad, maybe it's a good time for you, whether you're a journaler or not, this is a good time for you to maybe even just write down a prayer. You can do it on a legal pad, a journal, or a post-it note. <laughs> and just say, God, I'm trusting you for this in this season. Date it, mark it, ask him for something specific. God, I'm trusting you for this in this season. Look, you, you can trust him for the big things, I'll let you read it for yourself, but Ezra tells us there, and he, he says, look, I was actually embarrassed to ask the king for anything more than he had already given us. Like, what we really needed was protection. We needed security. We needed an escort of Marines in the Secret Service. But instead, I just told him, well, we'll, we'll trust our God. It's interesting, because when Nehemiah makes the same journey, he goes with a security force. It's not that he didn't trust different times, different places, but Ezra, Ezra says, I'm gonna trust God, and then watch what happens. Ezra chapter eight, Look at the end here. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. Trust God for those big things. Put your hope in him. And I don't know what it is that you need to trust God for. Sometimes we dismiss it or we think God doesn't care. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Here's what the Bible tells us. First Peter five, seven tells us that you can cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Trust God because he cares. You can put your confidence in him. You can know this because he loves you and because he cares for you. And if you doubt it, just remember what Jesus did. 
Like, I think that's key for us because sometimes we can be tempted to say, well, God doesn't really care about me or I don't really matter. And just remember that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die. And that's our hope. We've looked at these four questions so far. And I know for sure that, that not all the questions may apply to everybody. I don't know where you're at. You might not even feel you're at a crossroad. And yet some of you might feel like, man, that's exactly where I am. Here's the fifth thing. And I think this is good for all of us to consider. Number five, what is my next step? Like where I'm at right now, what's the next thing that I should do? Because when Ezra got the crew at the Maumee River, he said to them, you know what I think we need to do? Ezra chapter eight, verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. When he got there at that crossroad, he said, okay, guys, here's the next step. You know what we need to do? Let's, let's have a fast. He encourages them, before we do anything else, our next step is to step into the presence of God. Is to say, God, we need your presence. We need your guidance. We need to know what you have for us to do before we go any further. And I think that's what really hit me about this. Maybe it's where I am personally. Maybe it's where we're at in the life of the church. Maybe it was because of something that God needed someone like you to hear here today. But sometimes before you take that next step at a crossroad, the very important thing for you to do is just to say, God, I really need to stop and focus on what you want and what you have and step into the presence of God. He talks there about fasting. And if you've never had a, a discipline of or a practice of fasting in your life, I really wanna encourage you to consider doing this. You say, well, what's fasting? Fasting is when you choose something to set aside for a season of time so that in setting that thing aside, you're able to focus more on your relationship with God, to spend maybe some more time with God, to step into his presence. What do you fast? Well, you might choose to fast food. That's kind of the traditional meaning. You might fast a meal. You might fast for a day. You might fast for multiple days. Sometimes you might fast certain foods kind of as a, as a sacrificial kind of step. Sometimes there's what's called a, a Daniel fast where you don't fast food altogether, but it's just no meats, no sweets, no bread for a season of time. Doesn't that sound, that's tough, <laughs> right? Some of you might choose to fast um, social media. You might choose to, I've heard people say, well, I'm gonna fast my screens for a few days. I can tell you, I did a, I did a fast several years ago where I just kind of pushed all kind of media and communication out of my life for about seven days, and it was one of the most powerful things I've ever done. Like, I can tell you this from personal experience that I've never said, God, I'm, I'm gonna fast and seek you that I ever was disappointed. I didn't always get the answer that I wanted and it didn't always come right away. But I always said it was so powerful to step into the presence of God and experience him in that key moment. Sometimes what you need to do at a crossroad is to step into the presence of God. That might be your next step. Here, here's another option for that when you're thinking next steps. Go 10 more verses down. Ezra chapter eight, verse 31. Three days later, after their fast, after their prayer, then on the 12th day of the first month, we set out from the Ahava Canal to go to Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was on us and he protected us from our enemies and bandits along the way. 
God answered their prayer. So three days later, while they're still there at the Ahava Canal, while they're still there at the crossroads, it said that that time they set out from there. The idea behind that word set out is the idea that they would pull up stakes, that they would pull up their 10 stakes and push out into what God had for them. Some of us need to step into God's presence. Others of us need to step, in, step out in faith. We need to step out in faith. Do what God has asked for us to do. And I, I don't know circumstances. I just know that sometimes when I'm in the midst of preparing a message, I feel like the Holy Spirit puts some very specific things in my, my mind to come out of my mouth. And when I, when I was kind of tracking on this idea to step out in faith, I just felt like some of you need the encouragement to hear somebody say, hey, it's time. Like, it's time for you to do this. Like you've let those stakes at this crossroad keep you down for too long. It's time to pull up those stakes and push out and step out in faith and move past this crossroads and answer some of these other questions and go in the direction that God has called you to. Wherever you're at, here's my encouragement, that you seek God at the crossroads, that you don't stay stuck in this place, that, that you seek him there for what he has for you to do. So how does this apply to us? In, how does this apply to us in the life of the church? So here, let's think about this. A year ago, it was a year ago that I stood here and we wrapped up our life change initiative. You may remember this. We talked about how we were gonna knock out some walls and build a new auditorium and kind of move forward in that. And we no sooner finished that uh, kind of fundraising initiative, that vision initiative, <laughs> that the next thing we know, the whole world came to a standstill. And then you go, well, now what do we do? Where are we at there? And I can tell you that on a monthly basis, our leadership team, pastors and our deacon board, we're praying, we're seeking God, we're looking at things and saying, God is now the time, is now the time. You know that passage of scripture in Acts 15 where the apostles say that it, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit, that kind of thing. We felt just the, the leading of the Holy Spirit to kind of be patient in this season. Why? why, why would we be patient and not just move ahead? Well, much of the world's kind of been upside down. And so we're continuing to pray and saying, God, what is your timing? God, what is your plan? Really asking a lot of these same questions. God, what is the direction that you have for us? We wanna be wise with finances. And we kinda, in our, in our annual business meeting, we took some time to kinda really walk through kinda some of those thoughts. We wanna be wise with our finances, not just with the finances we have. We wanna say thank you to everyone who has given faithfully, not just to the church, but especially the Life Change Initiative and the ways that God has blessed us in a, in a pandemic season. We wanna be wise with finances. We wanna be wise with indebtedness. We also wanna make sure that the steps we're taking aren't just the steps we, we sense we should take in 2019, but the right steps that we should take in 2021. Does that make sense? I can say, God, would you lead us into what you have? And one of the things that we've talked about recently as a deacon board, as church leadership, is to say, you know, now's a good time for not just us to pray about it, but to ask the church to join with us in praying about this. Because with some of these major vision decisions about where we're going in the future, we're at a crossroads. Saying, God, what's the right timing? What's the right thing? And then when I look at so much that's going on in the world around us, when I see, and we've talked about this last week in the book of 1 John, not just cultural challenges that we face, 
But challenges in, in relationships, challenges in division and divisiveness, challenges in people seeking God's direction and walking through difficult times. I think that when, when I read that passage and Ezra said, I'm gonna proclaim a fast, there's something that just stirred up inside of me for our church in this season. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. We, we've got four weeks between now and Easter. And you know that Easter is one of the most significant dates that we kind of look at in the Christian church calendar. We really always believe and we always see that God does something special in people's lives in that place and in that time. I wanna ask you to join me kind of in the same way that Ezra did there at the Ahava Canal. I'm standing here on the banks of the Maumee, kinda, and asking you to join me in a season of focused prayer for these next four weeks. I, I'm gonna challenge you to fast. That once a week, you choose for these next four weeks to fast in some way. I don't know what that's gonna be for you. That, that might be that there's gonna be one day that you, you skip a meal and instead you take time to seek the Lord. You might choose to fast on a certain day of the week and just not eat that day. You might choose that you're gonna fast some kind of media or some kind of activity or something that you're gonna say, God, I'm gonna set this aside for this season of time to give more focused prayer and attention to hearing your voice and your direction in my life. So would you join me in this? Once a week, for the next four weeks, would you choose to fast? I'm gonna ask you to pray specifically. Each week, we're gonna kinda have a focused prayer. You can watch email that will come out. If you're, if you're not on our, our Calvary e-newsletter that goes out, you can join that on the homepage of our website. You'll see it also on our social media. We're gonna kinda have a focus each week for how we can pray, kind of a scripture each day that will guide. The first week, we're gonna pray for our own spiritual lives and kind of seek what God has for us. We're gonna pray for our church. We're gonna pray for the world. We're gonna pray for the lost and believe that God's gonna lead us as we look to the future in where he would have for us to go. So from a, from a corporate sense, those of you that call Calvary your church home, I, I challenge you, I encourage you, I invite you to join me in praying in this season of time. But let's take it from the big picture of the corporate church and down to the crossroad of your life. Here's the challenge. For those of you that are in this room and those of you that may be listening to this or watching this on a screen somewhere, are you at a crossroad? My guess for some of you, this was a timely word that God in this moment was challenging you to take a look, maybe because you're sitting at the intersection or you're stuck in the roundabout, and say, God, where is it that I'm really trying to go? And Holy Spirit, would you help me to determine what's the state of my heart? Heavenly Father, are my priorities in the right place? For some of you, it might be time to ask God, to trust God for some big things. And maybe it's a season for you to commit, whether it's stepping further into his presence or stepping out in faith. Saying, God, will you help me with these next steps? Would you lead me into what is next? I'm gonna ask you right where you are to bow your heads and close your eyes in this room, watching on a screen, to kind of take a look at your life where you're at today. And if you're in a place where you would just wanna acknowledge in faith, that you need God to do something unique and special in your life because of where you're at. If you just say, God, I feel like I'm at a crossroad. 
Thanks for this word. Would you help me to take the next step? Would you just raise your hand? If you'd say, I'm at a crossroad, God, would you help me? Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. Man, hands all over. Anybody else? God, I'm at a crossroad. Help me to take that next step. It's awesome. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you're in this room, would you stand with us? If, if you're at home, I hope you'll join in with us. We're gonna make our prayer here at the end of this service, that song that we sang earlier that says, I put my faith in Jesus. We're gonna sing this and make it our prayer. We're gonna, we're gonna vocalize this with boldness and with courage. Say, God, at this crossroad, in this moment, would you help me? Father, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who knows how to just do the right work in our lives. And Father, we pray that as we sing this song, it would be more than just a, another melody, but Lord, that instead it would be a prayer of putting our confidence, our hope, our faith, our trust in you and knowing that you'll lead us in the season that we're in as we sing this song together in Jesus' name, amen. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, he'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation, that you're going to guide us, that your faithfulness in the past assures us with confidence of your presence in the future. And so, Lord, I pray with the one who needs to take that next step, Lord, to take that step of faith and to step out. God, would you lead them? Lord, I pray with the one who says, 
that they need more than just that next step, but that they need your forgiveness, they need your grace, they need to start that relationship with you, to simply say in this moment, Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, I pray that you just help them to sense your presence, your forgiveness, your healing, your freedom, your hope. And Lord, in this season, as we as a church seek you together, Lord, just like you did for Ezra centuries ago, would you meet us in this place? Would you guide us at this crossroads and take us into the places that you have for us to experience your blessing and your presence in the days ahead? Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We ask that you would lead us from here with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.